Hello, everyone. My guest today is JB Kellogg. He's the co-founder, co-CEO, and COO of a company called Madwire and Marketing 360, a tech-enabled marketing company combining integrated marketing software and technology and professional marketing services, the talent, through one powerful platform. He was named the top CEO in the country by Glassdoor in 2016. JB, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. What is, how does Glassdoor do that? Top CEO, what's that mean? Uh, it's based on employee feedback, so the reviews and the different uh, feedback forums that they can respond to through Glassdoor, they just capture that analysis every year and then compare that against other CEOs out there and essentially just kind of rank them top down based on the feedback and the ratings on that. And how many teammates do you have? Uh, we have about 600 people now here, okay. so pretty good base. So you just bribe the hell out of them, right? That's how it works? <laughs> uh, I wish it was that easy. Um, but no, they proactively kind of do it. I mean, we employee reviews every year. We do kind of annual reviews or biannual reviews. And generally, we'll ask them, hey, if you haven't put your feedback on Glassdoor, please do, you know, here and there. But other than that, you know, it just kind of comes through naturally. That's great. Of the 600, you have, it seems like you have two very different business models with very different margin structures. You have SaaS and then you have professional services and, and kind of, you know, on the marketing side, the talent side. Break down the revenue for me. What percent of SaaS? What percent is professional service? Well, it really is very much of a hybrid. You kind of need you need both. Um, you can't necessarily do like, for example, we don't have customers essentially that are 100% service or 100% SaaS. It's kind of a combination. Um, so it's a little bit you know difficult when you look at it that way. But the margins actually are actually pretty similar um, with our service-based businesses or services. Um, the margins right in that 60 to 80% range. Um, what we've done is kind of optimize their processes and built technology in place to automate a lot of stuff at scale so that they can offer the quality service, but, you know, kind of do it in a scalable way so that the margins are good. Um, on the SaaS side, our margins are, you know, generally around 80% um, when you look at it that way. So it's a little bit better, but they're actually pretty close. That's interesting. Okay. I mean, look, most, the second, you know, the most expensive thing on, on your P&L each month is headcount. And usually when I hear service, I hear people, right? And now obviously these are tech enabled people, but it's still people, which is why you go down maybe as little as 60%, but it sounds like still pretty healthy margins compared to a typical agency that has 30 to 40% margins. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's just the technology we've built to help them um, do quality work at scale um, so that, uh, you know, we can improve upon those margins. But one one number that we track is revenue per person. Um, we always track that. We try to improve that revenue per person year over year. And we compare that against other companies in our space. You know, some of them are 100% SaaS, like HubSpot um, and other companies like that. And when we look at it, generally our revenue per person, even though we offer the service elements, um, is better. And so those companies, even though they're SaaS, they actually have more people um, that are working for them just to maintain the SaaS solution and the support than we do, even though we're also adding services. So so that's something that we're proud of. Across a cohort of about 25, we just did this analysis, across about 25,000 SaaS and pure employees, pure play, average revenue per employee in terms of AR is about $137,000. How far above that are you guys? Uh, it's changing a little bit with our onboarding, but we're right in the 175,000 range. Um, we're trying to get to, you know, around 225,000 or so over the next three years, um, with optimization. So now, look, that's healthy. I mean, uh, you know, 175 is great. That, by the way, that puts you at about what, about 105 million bucks per year in revenue. Yep. Right, right on pace for that about right now in terms of the run rate. Yep. So. And how do you, um, I, I want to put this on a timeline for a second before we go more into the numbers and actually get us into the product. I, I realize we just jumped right in, but put this on a timeline first. When did you launch? 2009. Okay. 2009. And for those that have never heard of you just give us the overview, what do you guys do? 
small business marketing. So, and that's really where the service piece comes in because small businesses generally don't have an in-house marketing team. It's usually the business owner, honestly, that's running most of the marketing campaigns. So we knew that even if we had the greatest, you know, small business platform in the whole world for small business, there wouldn't be a lot of utilization without the service piece. Uh, we literally need to do the work for them. So we put together kind of the do it for me model with the technology platform. If you wanted to do it yourself, you could, but that wasn't a requirement. That was kind of our strategy. So, um, and we started in 2009, right when people were really starting to shift from the old school way of marketing phone book, yellow pages, newspaper into the digital space. And we could see that wave coming. And so that was kind of, you know, where we saw that need in the small business space and tackled it. And so over the last nine years you've been in business, what have you scaled to in terms of total customers using you? Total customers uh, right now when you, we just acquired a payments company. So that, you know, added to that total, but it's about 10,000 active customers right now. Okay. And they, so this is pretty high actually. So 10,000 customers and you're doing about 8.7 million per month, which puts you at 105 million uh, per year. That puts each customer about 875 bucks per month in terms of your combined kind of people plus tech solution. Is that accurate? Yeah. And honestly, it's higher than that with our new accounts. That's lower because of the older accounts. Our price points were much lower in 2009. We still have a lot of those clients. So the incoming accounts now, the average account size is around 1500 a month. Um, MRR. Um, and so we get some people that could still come on board for 500 a month, other ones that are $50,000 a month, but it's about $1,500 a month average. And have you bootstrapped this over the, again, over the past nine years or have you raised? For the most part, um, in 2014, we did bring on some partners, um, two small partners um, at that point. And uh, we raised about 7.5 million at that um, juncture. We really haven't used any of that capital. We really just felt like we needed it's still in it. The just bank? In, it's still there. It's <laughs> literally still there. Um, so, and I think that's because from 2009, 2014, we were bootstrapped. So we just got to where we were always just real careful watching our cash, make sure we, we weren't, didn't necessarily, you know, weren't concerned if we broke even every month, we didn't really want to burn cash. And so we just have that kind of built into our culture and it stayed that way. Yeah. And I mean, look, if that money is still there today, you're, you're even today still cash flow positive. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's great. accurate. And talk to me about growth. So if you're today, you're about a hundred, you know, hundred million dollar run rate. Where are you? Where were you a year ago in August 2017? Last year, gosh, I think we ended around 50 million. So um, we've grown right now. I mean, our annual year over year growth rate has come down a little bit to about 40 percent. You know, it was well over 100 there for a while. We were, we're we've been on the Inc. 500 list six years in a row, um, which according to them, they sent us a letter pretty rare um, to maintain the level of growth. So Lord willing, we can stay that way, but uh, we're, we have some new products and whatnot. And over the next year, we feel like we could, you know, move back above 40%. So between 30 to 40% year over year growth today, and you're at called hundred million today, that would put you a, a year ago at caught in the, like the 70 range. Is that about accurate? Seven. Yeah, 70. Uh, yeah, it's about where we ended the year. 79, I think it was. Okay, cool. Yeah. And sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm actually chatting about like, if you take today, so which is August, right of 2018, and go back a year, August 2017, the run rate August 2017 was about 70 ish. Right? Yeah, that's, that's all right, then for yeah. that period. Yeah, yeah. Where, where so incredible growth rates for the SMB space, you know, the SMB people give up on it all the time, constant contact got killed in the, in the public markets, and their PE multiple is way below other, you know, public SaaS companies because of their churn rates. You know, walk me through your churn today and how has the people side of your business enabled you to keep churn low? 
Well, the way we look at churn is in two buckets. Um, we look at new customer and core customer, and we track it that way. Um, in the small business space, as anybody who does business with small business knows, a lot of them go out of business. You know, and generally in the first year or two um, is when most of them will go out of business. And we we take all comers, so a lot of our accounts are new businesses, and so we understand that. So the way that we track churn that makes the most sense for us and our investors is in two buckets: new customers, which is twelve months or less and core customers, which is 13 months and older. That weeds out the natural loss that's not necessarily happening because of your product or service. It's just something that's unpreventable. Um, And it it really looks at the core customers. Out of our core customer metrics, which is really all we look at for churn, um, it's extremely good. Um, It actually, after 18 months, turns to a negative churn, uh, which means essentially people are upgrading at a higher rate than we are seeing in loss. So the book is actually growing month over month. And so our lifetime value for accounts as of right now goes out like 100 months um, and growing. Um, so it's pretty impressive. The churn in the, fir- in the new account bucket is usually about 50%. So of the accounts that we open, about half of them will uh, move into the core customer. That's annually. Slightly That's less. over the first year. That's over the first year. Absolutely. And we've tried things in the past to try to filter out um, potential um, high-risk businesses. Um, but what we did was we just also, also filtered out the good ones. <laughs> so what we came to was just let's just sell them all and then let's track it by new customer and core customer. And that's that's worked really well. The, and the only time where that would burn somebody listening to copy the strategy you've done is is if they built their CAC model and their and their cash model on an, a 13-plus month customer data point thinking they'd last that long, but then they don't. Right. So my question to you is what is your CAC and how do you tie that back to less than 12 month LTV versus 13 plus month LTV? If you can't predict which one it's going to be at the beginning. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And because we were basically bootstrapped, we had to make sure we made our money back quick. So um, we're profitable with our new customers um, after about three months. So that covers our CAC. Um, that's that's based on our average account size now. Our CAC's around three thousand. It's a little bit. It's a little bit more than that. And so when you look at our average account size coming in the door, which is right around fifteen hundred, usually in month three is when we start to uh, become profitable on that account. We have a six month agreement, and so you have to sign at least a six month agreement, and so that locks in basically profitability of every new account that we sell. And then um, is it anybody paid up front who, or no? It's not. It's okay. paid monthly. It's paid monthly. Um, and so, but we know anybody who stays past six months, you know, we're just more and more profitable the longer they're with us. Yep. No, that, okay. That, that, there's a lot of great lessons in there. You know, making sure you lock in that six month contract to more than cover what your CAC is. If you decide one day you want to get more aggressive about growth, you might change that six months to 12 months or something like that, right? To maintain and, and try to keep near break even. Um, when you do spend 3,000 bucks to acquire a new customer, where are you spending it? Uh, everything we sell, we do ourselves. So we eat our own dog food, which is a huge selling point, actually. So we do digital advertising 100%. Um, we don't do any cold calls of any kind. These are all inbound leads off of our website. Currently, we generate about 6000 a month, um, which feeds our sales team. We try to give our sales team about 60 leads per person. Um, they have the highest closing ratio if you supply that many. If you give them less, they have too much time on their hands. If you give them too much, they close not as many because they don't have enough follow-up. 
And so as we onboard new salespeople, we ramp up our budget to drive the adequate number of leads. And, and we do that through Google ads, social media ads, YouTube advertising. I mean, everything digital these days, um, we pretty much have a presence there um, with our Marketing 360 brand. Yep. And the 600 folks on the team, is everyone based in Fort Collins or are you spread out? We're all based in Fort Collins. Oh, wow. That's incredible. You must be one of the largest in tech employers in Fort Collins, I imagine. I believe we are at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. Last question here before we wrap up. Uh, you mentioned co-founders. You have just one other co-founder? Yes. Yeah, my dad. My dad oh, and I wow. started the company in 2009. Um, just the two of us and just ramped up from there. Well, good. that could have gone two ways. Bad Thanksgiving dinners or very good Thanksgiving dinners. Thankfully, it's done right. the latter. So that's a good thing. Exactly. What was his background? He uh, had a trading uh, firm, so traded futures and commodities, and uh, he had owned that for a while um, and had seen success there, but was wanting to shift into something different. I started working with him. Um, I learned digital marketing and design through college, kind of self-taught myself, redid their website several times, started doing online campaigns. I did one of the first Google AdWords campaigns when it literally very first came out um, because the trading industry is very competitive. So we were kind of cutting edge and then started developing software, online trading platforms, and that's when we said, hey, we can move into digital marketing because it's very much the same thing. You need a platform. You're investing in different marketing channels instead of different you know, um, trades. And you're cutting the losers and you're investing more in the winners. It's literally the same model and you're supporting your customers. You're building a book of business. So it made perfect sense to us. The one thing we love, though, is we can control our destiny. Whereas when you're um, trading, you can't necessarily. Tomorrow, the market could be crashing and you kind of have to start over and build your book. With this, you know, we, our effort would, you know, pay off, we thought. And so that's when we made the shift and it worked out very well. Yeah. JB, if a company like HubSpot comes along, well, actually, before I ask that question, do you use, because of the competitive environment, potentially in Fort Collins, do you use uh, equity grants as a means to get on more talent to the team or do you not, you, you there's no op equity pool for employees? There is a small pool um, that we've set aside for leaders. And so we give them stock options um, when you move into leadership. Um, and so that it's, it's about 10% is okay. what, the pool, what the pool is. So, yeah. Where I was going with that, you know, I've interviewed a couple CEOs at this point. Colin Sim at iSims comes to mind. They're doing about 200 million bucks in AR, totally bootstrapped. And the question I always ask for those CEOs, who I think are just the shining stars, are if, you, if you're profitable, you've raised very little capital relative to your ARR. Um, and you're in full control of the company, how do you generate more wealth for yourself? And I'll, everyone always says, well, I don't care about being wealthy, which I just don't believe. Most Once I dig in, mostly they end up saying something about a dividend structure or revenue sharing with their whole team or something like that. So same question to you. If you don't sell and there is no big exit, you keep building this behemoth, how do you increase your own wealth and the wealth of the team? Yeah, uh, we do do a revenue share every month, and that's to the entire company, even without stock options. So we do do that. We have talked about dividends in the future and that sort of a thing. But for us, honestly, I think our vision is all that um, we're on a good roadway here. And if it's IPO, um, that's kind of where we're, we're targeting over the next two to three years. And we figure that we're just a better company, whether we do it or not, if we plan on doing it. And if something better comes along the way, great. If we just become a huge cash cow, um, we'll start start doing dividends um, out to uh, the shareholders is kind of our our thought. And so we don't have a specific um, target that we're going for, but we're planning to go IPO because we just feel like it makes us a better company. And if we don't, that just means that we're just crushing it. We're a huge cash cow. And then we'll start doing dividends is kind of our thought. Yeah. When do you think if you did file, when do you think you'd file? Probably be about 
two years, okay. year and a half, two years. Yeah. So what, you'll be at 180 million bucks in, in annual revenue at that point, something like that? Yep. Yep. Or if some of our new kind of ideas really take off, you know, could be in the 200 plus range we're thinking. Yeah. Well, it'll be fun to watch what you do. You know, Brian Halligan and Armash realized early on at HubSpot that they tried to do the professional services stuff in-house and they kept getting hits on their valuation because of the 60% margin versus the 85% SaaS margin. So now they have the largest kind of channel partner thing out there because they moved all the all that talent, which you have in-house, they moved to their channel partners with the relationship there. And that got them much better valuation as a result. It'll be very curious to watch kind of how you guys progress over the next two, three years as you think about going public, we're staying private and, you know, moving and, you know, with the whims of those different kind of incentive structures. So please come back on. Uh, this is great so far though. Let me wrap up here with uh, the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book, JB? Gosh, that would be my favorite business book. I'm sorry. I know what it is, but I'm spacing out the name. What's the um, color of the thing? You know, the author. Yeah. Collins, Jim um, Collins. Good to great. Good to, good to great. There, there you go. You go. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, yeah. All right. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? There's not a particular CEO I'm following, but I do have a YouTube feed of leadership type content that just gets a ton of different CEOs that come through there. Obviously one of the big ones, Gary Vanderchuk comes through all the times, Grant Cardone, kind of follow him for his sales tips and whatnot, but I don't have like a single one that I'm following to answer the question directly. It's just kind of a grouping. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your business? Marketing 360. <laughs> besides besides <laughs> your the own. number one tool I use. That's good. Um, That's good. But besides your own. Yep. Um, besides our own. I mean, at this point we get most of our leads from Google AdWords. So Google AdWords. Number uh, four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? About seven. And what's your situation? Married, single kids? Married, four kids. Four. Wow. And how old are you? I'm 38. 38. Last question, JB. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? What was that? What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Hmm. About a million different things I've learned since starting starting uh, Madwire and Marketing 360. Um, gosh, if it was one single thing, it would have been, I guess, the way that we uh, rate employees now, which is attitude, effort, performance. If the attitude and effort are good, we'll be very long-suffering on performance. If uh, either one of those is very short leash, so it's kind of a short leash, long leash look at it. In the early years, we gave you know people probably way longer than we should have um, and maybe cut some people sooner than we should have. Um, and so looking at it with those three buckets has really been enlightening for us. Guys, there you have it from JB, Madwire and Marketing 360, founded in 2009 with him and his dad. Today, they're over 600 people in Fort Collins. They're doing about 100 million per year. That's up 40% year over year, so about 70 million bucks just 12 months ago in terms of ARR. They've got about 10,000 SMB customers paying on average, historically, 870 uh, bucks per month. That's how they get 8.7 million bucks per month in revenue. Obviously, going a tad upstream on that, which is fine. They measure churn in two buckets less than 12 months and more than 13 months. Uh, you know, after folks get to 18 months with them, they, they get into the negative churn range, which is kind of the holy grail. They're willing to spend up to 3,000 bucks to acquire a customer with three to four month payback periods. They negotiate and lock in six month contracts to make sure they never fall into a cash gap, which has enabled them to stay cash flow positive, having only raised 7.5 million bucks. Considering what an IPO would look like in the meantime, they've got a revenue share across the entire company, even with folks that don't have equity, which I just love that model. JB, thank you so much for taking us to the top. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Nathan.